Hello everyone, welcome to yet another episode of Azure On Air. Today we have an expert, Alessandro Mora, who's got 20 plus years of experience in the integration side of Azure. And also he's delivered 60 plus Microsoft official courses for almost uh, 900 students in classroom. And also he's a solution architect and integration specialist. Uh, and he's also the Microsoft Azure MVP holder so i couldn't find a better person to talk to us about the uh, uh service bus integration usage in in our show so i'm very happy to welcome alessandro hi alessandro hi uh a nice nice uh to, to be here and thanks for inviting me to the show so uh, yes alessandro uh, i hope uh, you are aware about a show azure on air so today we're going to discuss with our audience about the service bus so we have fixed the topic to be service bus the heart of an integration what do you think about this particular topic let's start off with that yeah so service bus has been like always like uh, you know one of the te technologies that uh, whenever we need like reliable communication between parties where the systems are not reliable themselves. Uh, that's where we, we uh, introduce uh, Service Bus in the architecture of all our solutions. Um, I've been using Service Bus for, you know, quite quite a few years now. Like, uh, so the, the, thing, the thing like Service Bus was one of the very first integration technology that was, you know, uh, developed by, by Microsoft uh, in Azure. Uh, you know, it's been a long time, and we are using. Uh, I've been using that, you know, to cook for uh, in quite a lot, a lot of my projects. Super, super. So uh, you told that it's the first uh, service or first thing that people go for integration or the uh, earliest service that's been available. Can you just let us know the evolution of service bus? It's been long time, right? So can you just elaborate us on the evolution of service bus? I guess the, the the evolution of service bus, like the principles of the services, uh, has been pretty much uh, always the same. Um, uh, but you know, if we try to break that down a little bit, we're going to say that the the first um, capability uh, done by by service bus was the usage of uh, exchanging messaging queues. Uh, a few years later, they introduced the capability of doing work in a pub-sub architecture using uh, topics and subscriptions. And the, the, I guess the latest one, uh, bigger. So there are like lots of advancements that they, they, they did uh, in the product. But I think the bigger one was the service bus premium tier, which allow us to exchange large, large masters uh, uh, using the service. Yeah. Uh, when you spoke about the service bus premium tier, I would also like to know a bit more about that. Can you just enlighten us that for a while? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So service bus premium, uh, you know, one of the capabilities that, and that's the reason that, that I'm using uh, this uh, product right now, is to allow us to exchange large masters. So the organization that I'm working for right now, we have, a, you know, to exchange, uh, you know, a, a message that is, bigger than 10, 10 megabytes. Uh, uh, with the standard tiers, we don't have the support in Service Bus. So we are using uh, the, the, the Service Bus Premium to allow us to exchange messages using this capability. Uh, but, it, but it's not the only thing that it, it, it has. So when we go to the Service Bus Premium, we also have a dedicated compute power for only our organization. Uh, so we are isolated from other, you know, users uh, of other companies uh, of service bus and the other thing it allows us is to have a better 
uh, network control. So if I want to control exactly where the communication goes to and where the com communication goes, uh, uh, where the communi com communication comes from and where the communication goes to, uh, we can control that like in Service Bus Premium as well. Super, super. That is quick description about the Service Bus Premium usage and how it's effective. So, uh, being speaking about the service bus usage and its uh, uh, its benefits, uh, there are also some challenges in service bus, right? Can you just um, help us understand how a service bus can also be challenging when implementing in an integration? Yeah, the, 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 one of the, the, the challenges we are facing right now is how to deal when the systems are not able to, uh, you know, receive that message or handle that message properly. Um, so one of the challenges is like, what do we do with that message? Do we just, you know, complete the message, discard the message? Do we send that message to the dead letter queue? Uh, and if we send to the letter, dead letter queue, what do we do next, right? So uh, we need to create process to handle these type of um, uh, situations, I would say. So we need to have proper process in place to say, okay, once the message goes to the letter, that letter queue, we need to have a process that someone from the service desk uh, in the organization that I work for, they need to have access to that uh, queue so they can see what is the message and do a kind of process on top of those uh, um, communications that went wrong. So I think that that's one of the challenges that I have today. The other one is lack of end-to-end uh, -end, uh, traceability in Azure. So one of one of the things we notice is like, okay, I got a message and I process the message through, I don't know, logic apps, uh, functions, whatever it might be. And then the message fail. How do we see that that communication fail? How do we have a, a, a tracing of that message end to end? So that's one of the challenges we have today. We, you know, right now we are implementing custom uh, logging to allow us to have a better visibility, but it's still like it's not, you know, uh, how it should, uh, you know, have been. Yeah. So uh, having you said that, from uh, from a perspective of a consultant from my end for myself so uh, we are also dealing with customers who come in asking for dead letter processing so we have a tool called serverless 360 which is which is a tool which complements the azure challenges so that's where we have a uh, feature set called uh, service with dead letter processing and like you said we have the end-to-end -end traceability as well so having these challenges so do you think an a beginner of uh, who's using service bus in, in in their integration should opt for a model Monitoring tool? Yeah, so mon monitoring for when you're working with all the Azure technologies, right? So we are talking about Service Bus, but we have like many other technologies. Yeah. Monitoring needs to be on your mind because when that solution goes live, you need to be able to see what's going on, right? Um, for example, we have a very complicated sales order process that uh, is being managed like throughout several systems. Uh, so we have our ERP system, we have our order entry system, we have our uh, stock management system. Uh, all of that needs to be to be communicated properly, uh, and we need to see if there's an issue where the issue is, is is happening, and if the order didn't proceed as we wanted to, uh, what kind of information is being exchanged uh, in, you know, in those systems. So a yeah. um, monitoring solution is, is a must. So yeah. you can either you know, 
uh, build yourself that solution. Mm -hmm. But you know, it takes time. It takes time to build yeah. a solution, or you can buy uh, an off offshelf solution uh, ready to to help you overcome those challenges. Yeah. So, uh, like rightly you mentioned, monitoring is should not be an afterthought. It's something that should be uh, taken care of. So, at what point in time should an uh, integration uh, architect or a specialist should opt for a monitoring solution? Should it be in the beginning of the uh, integration uh, development itself or in the mid of the uh, integration? Ideally, I would say we should be doing this like very from the beginning. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, we, we need to think like how is going to be the support of that solution. Mm. Uh, normally, that that's not what happens. Mm. Uh, so, uh, in their in, in the organization that I'm right now, we started think about that like middle middle process, right? So, mm. we start the, the development and we start to see like you know the challenges we would have, and like we are in the middle of the project right now, and now we are starting to think how we are going to support the solution when it goes uh, into production. Uh, but I, I would say, like, if if you are doing the, the work, like, in, using the best practice, I would say do that from the beginning. Start mm. thinking that from, from the very beginning. That's, that's what we uh, rightly mentioned here in this podcast as well. Because we also have uh, people, uh, we had a customer like yesterday from our end uh, who came in right when their development stage itself. On the second of the, half of the day, we... We had a customer who came in with a huge trouble saying that we're in the middle of an integration, middle of the process, and we need a solution right now. So there are two different uh, categories of people that we are dealing with in real time as well. So in that case, um, where, like you spoke a lot about service bus telling us uh, this is how it functions. This is how uh, these are the challenges. These are the benefits. So can you also tell us when and where to use a service bus? Because a solution is not ideally um, profitable or ideally beneficial in all all situations right so it also has its own uh, good side and bad side so when should we use it yeah so normally we use like a, a service bus when we uh, don't have a real-time um, needs in our solution mm -hmm. so for example if I if I'm building for a, a, a website that I need like a live response from the back-end systems service bus is not going to be probably your solution, right? Because you need to have like that, that real-time communication with those backend systems. We use Service Bus a lot when we have backend process. We have process that can happen in the backend. What I mean is like, okay, we have the, the way we design for the solution we're designing right now uh, is we have the front-end system that talks with the uh, OMS system, mm. the order management system. That system doesn't need to do any communication with the ERP or the uh, inventory systems live. So this is where we de de define that, okay, we can have a backend communication here. And this is where we are going to implement service bus. Because we have different, uh, I guess, performance ca uh, capabilities between those systems, right? So yeah. the OMS system, the, uh, uh, the front-end system, they have like much more capacity to receive like thousands of orders, uh, you know, in a second, yeah. I, I would say. But the ERP system doesn't have the, the same capability. And uh, with us doing the processing of that solution in the backend, we can control the load that we want that, that you know, is, is going to go to that particular system. So service bus is going to allow us for asynchronous communication when we can, 
and it's going to allow us to also offload uh, huge volumes of requests from you know digital systems to uh, more complex uh, backend systems that doesn't have the same same uh, capacity in terms of volume. Super. So that was a quick uh, answer from your from your side about the uh, question when and where to use the service bus. Also, can you just share us some experience from your end by using service bus or some uh, use cases that you handled with? Uh, you know, it's as, as I mentioned before, like it's a backend process. We need to capture any changes in this uh, inventory system. Uh, so. Once we do uh, the sales order process, we define through the this uh, uh, stock inventory system, we define when we can deliver that product based on what the system tell, tell us. But there's a process that happens afterwards where uh, some of the business users, they can go back into the system and they can change those orders to say, okay, uh, I have to deliver, I don't know, 500 fridges for uh, of this you know uh, brand and model to these stores but i don't have capacity right now because i have like some other uh needs that 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 i need to attend to so you know i don't have the, the 500s now i'll have like maybe maybe in a, in a month so what they do is that they reorganize those orders and when that happens there's a back-end process that needs to inform both the ERP system and the order management system that a change has happened into those mm. orders. Uh, so this is a very good solution, a very good uh, use case for Service Bus because you know I don't have to do this you know in uh, real time. I don't have to yeah. do this, this live. I can just you know take out the orders that were changed in that particular day, and I go through each one of uh, one by one to update the systems that that I need that I need to update. So that all happens like in you know in the background, uh, the user is, is is not aware that that is happening unless uh, until it receives the, the the response back from the order management system that okay your order has been postponed because you know uh, whatever reason we we have to do the uh, to do this. So this is one of the places that we use Service Bus. Uh, as I mentioned before, the other the other case is for the order entering as well. So we have like real-time communication with the order management system. But after uh, after that, anything that happens in the stock system, anything that happens into the ERP system, that is also done like, you know, um, uh, after after the fact, right? So we answer the customer as fast as we can, and then we work in the back end to make sure we have all the systems up to date using uh, Service Plus as our uh, communication mechanism. Awesome, awesome use case from your end, Alessandro. That that really feels uh, the power of service bus in a particular integration as well. And also, uh, uh, all good speaking about the service bus and the good and bad of it. But also, we would uh, always have an idea behind this podcast is to give uh, people the idea behind Azure on Air show is to enlighten beginners who are uh, trying to implement Azure in their use cases. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So in that case what would be your piece of advice to the people who are planning to implement or uh, uh, migrate to Azure in general? 
Oh, in, in general, like, uh, you know, there's lots, lots of services, lots of ways to implement solutions using Azure. Uh, we have similar uh, services that does can do like pretty much the same thing in different ways. Uh, I would say you need to analyze what are your uh, requirements, not, ju not just the functional requirements, right? but also what are your uh, technical or non-functional requirements. So you need to understand what, what you need to provide. So let's say you have, uh, I don't know, you need to do one request per day for a particular yeah. solution, or you need to do a thousand requests per day, or, you know, you need to understand like what is the cap capability you want to provide. And based on that, you can define what you're going to use because I can use functions, uh, Azure functions using the consumption tier, which has like a particular cost and it's even free, like until a certain level, I can use large caps consumption. I can use large caps standard. I can use functions premium and so on and so forth. So all of these, you know, requirements that you gather from the uh, technical side, what you need to provide in terms of scalability, in terms of security, in terms of uh, uh, performance of the solution, all of that's going to, uh, determine what kind of service you you uh, are going to use. So you need to go over, uh, you know, all of this to, to understand. And because like if you are a beginner, uh, you need to, it's hard to, to define which is which. There are a lot of uh, reference architectures, uh, the Microsoft Architecture Center, that can help you guide uh, what is the solution. So I, I don't have the link right now, but there's a link in there that shows you based like on the input you 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 put on that page, what kind of compute you're going to use, or you know the proposal compute that Microsoft thinks is going to be best for you. So that's I guess is a good like starting point. Um, speaking specifically about you know integration technologies, you have basically two choices: Azure Functions and uh, Large Caps. And that's going to be based on your preference. If you prefer more like a coding style, it's going to be functions because you can use C Sharp or other languages. But you have to do all the coding yourself. You have, have to do like a lot of plumbing uh, in terms of the code to uh, uh, provide you the service you want. If you are more used to a type of a designer tool, large caps probably is, is going to be the best options. In terms of the cost, I guess right now they are very similar. So you are not going to have like that many surprises in terms of the cost. Uh, but, you know, those yeah. styles as being like, you know, more code base or more design, designer base is going to allow you to choose one of the other. And this is just like about the, uh, the processing to, I would say, right? Mm. So you should need to choose what is the kind of architecture you're going to choose. It's going to be real time. If it's real time, you know, pretty much APIs is going to solve your problem. If it's near real time, you have service bus, but you also have event hubs. You also have event grids. And then you have to think about storage if your solution is going to, you know, hold the data, Cosmos DB, SQL Server. So there's lots of services. Uh, the reference architecture, they're your friend to help you, you know, design your first solutions. And, uh, you know, after that, it's just, you know, you know what works best for you and your company, and you're yeah. going to, to, to proceed from there. Yeah. 
Super, super uh, advice from your end, Alessandro. That is a quick tip for all the uh, uh, participants or audience who are trying to implement Azure in your integrations. So also, uh, as I mentioned in the introduction, you have delivered almost 60 plus Microsoft official courses. And also I saw a number called 900 students. So can you also give a quick tip for the students who are uh, trying to learn Azure? Uh, there's like a big, the, the, the good thing with international days, like, uh, you know, you have, uh, the knowledge, uh, at the tip of your, you know, your fingers, I would say, um, some of them you need to pay, some of them, they are free. Uh, so one very good resource, like that contains, you know, uh, information and chips, and, you know, talking about what we actually do, like on our day to day is like, uh, you know, um, uh, we start 360, Server 360, you guys, you provide a very good, you know, service for, for the community. Uh, a lot of, you know, this, this content is pretty much free. Anyone can access like the videos and podcasts and see what experts are, are, are saying in the field. So that's one very good thing. Uh, I use a lot Microsoft to learn. So it's still now, nowadays, I have like more than 20 years, but every time that I need to, to learn some, some new subject, I use a lot uh microsoft to learn which is free as well uh, i watch pod podcasts from from the major i guess experts in the field and you could uh, i i could name like several uh microsoft employees that you know they have their own podcasts and you know uh podcasts and web webcasts as well uh what else YouTube contains a lot of resources. I mean, I'm just talking about the free ones, right? So, yeah. but if you want to pay for something more structured in terms of learning, there, there, you know, a lot of tools out there, uh, a lot of sites out there. So, you know, search one of them, um, which one is going to be uh, best for your organization, you know, use them. I use uh, LinkedIn Learning. I use Pluto Sites sometimes. I use uh, Udemy. So, you know, those are the, the, the paid ones. Um, they help you quite quite a lot as well. Super. So I guess this also has a huge impact for the uh, listeners who are listening to our podcast right now. So uh, I'm very happy to have you on our show, Alessandro. It was a great session from your end. You gave very crisp answers, which was not uh, exceeding the uh, um, or, or exaggerating the content. You just gave us what we want. It was very crisp and clear. I'm, I'm very happy to have hosted you in this show. Oh, thank, thank, thank you very much. We're very happy to be here as well. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, integration is a great, uh, I guess, I would say career, as I've been doing that for the past 20 years. Uh, I couldn't say I have been, you know, I have like a, a great, great opportunities outside as well. So, you know, I, I started like working with that in Brazil, moved to US for a bit, and now I'm in New Zealand. And that's all, you know, uh, thanks to integration, I, I guess. So, you know, happy to be here, happy to, uh, you know, talk with you guys as well. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for your uh, guidance, Alessandro, through this podcast. And keep guiding people with the help of your knowledge. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much.